Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? Weekly uploads at the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. Dude, it's crazy. Let's jump into Q&A. Oh, bro. Before we get into the Q&A, loaded stretching. Loaded stretching. <laughs> you kidding me? I feel so... My back has never felt better. Give us, Give us your top two to three loaded stretches you've been doing so the main ones i've just been so i like stand on a little box uh, it's essentially i'm doing a toe touch but i'm at a point now where i can go much further than the floor so i need a, a x range of motion so i stand on a box and i hold i could either do a kettlebell or a sandbag i like the sandbag better uh, just based on how it feels so i get a sandbag and i just do number one a loaded toe touch and i'll like go down for like lately three to five minutes i'll listen to my podcast just hold that and just like every minute get a little bit deeper more spinal flexion and then i do the same exact thing but instead of going straight down i actually rotate and go to each side mm. and and for that one i'll do reps so like i'll do 10 reps super slow eccentric on the way down and then come back up like just complete flexion and rotation mm. i dude oh my god gosh like feeling it, it's it feels so good it's not heavy it's not a heavy bag it's like 15 20 pounds but it's just enough where it really helps me get a little bit deeper into that stretch and my back feels so ridiculously good dude i'm so happy for you sounds great yeah dude are you doing these with locked knees i i go back and forth so sometimes they'll be locked sometimes they'll be slightly bent um they're not like ostrich locked you know, where they're not mm -hmm. just like completely locked out straight. Sometimes I'll, I'll alternate back and forth there. 95% of the time they're like straight and locked out, but not hyperextended type. So it's like, it's, it's that sort of middle ground. Nice. Yeah. Are you doing any kind of warm up before you're doing these, these, uh, long three to five minute set static holds? Uh, not really. Like I'll, I'll just go in and I'll start light and I'll just go as far as I can. And then throughout the duration of the stretch, I'll warm up and I'll get, I'll sink deeper and deeper into it. But I'm not, I'm not starting off with any type of anything. I, I literally just start with that. And what does the intensity feel like at the beginning? Does it feel relatively easy? Like you're not trying to push the range and you're just letting yourself gradually sink into it? Or is it, does it feel intense from the beginning? No, from the, the it's a great question. I think the beginning is, the the first two minutes, I feel like a little bit locked up. I feel a little bit locked up and it's not in my back where it used to be. I used to feel it in my back. Now I just feel it more hamstring mm. because I think it's, I'm just getting deeper and deeper and my back is getting a, a greater range of motion. But the first two minutes, I feel a little bit locked up. So I sort of like do a little bit of bouncing, like light bouncing. It's like, I don't even know if bouncing is the right term for it. It's light, light, light up and down movements just to get comfortable in that range. And then after about two minutes, that's when I can really start to sink into it, go a little bit deeper, reach further with the weight, uh, with the sandbag. And, uh, so no, it's, it's probably like a five or a six out of 10 for the first two minutes. And then the, the final two to three minutes or so, that's when I really start pushing in. It starts getting to like an eight to a nine difficulty. Nice. And what's your breathing like throughout the set? Um, I'm really not paying attention to it, to be honest. I'm just, I'm relaxed. I'm listening to a, to a Torah podcast. I'm not doing nasal breathing or anything. I do feel my belly up against my thighs and stuff as I'm going, like I'm clearly belly breathing, but I'm not really focusing on it. I think a lot of the, the breathing stuff is designed to make you relaxed and cause you get a, often a better response from being relaxed, but I'm already relaxed. So I'm, I'm not like, I don't need to focus on it because I'm probably breathing like I'm relaxed anyway. You're just a relaxed ESTP and you belly breathe naturally through the course of your life. Your cortisol levels are <laughs> remarkably low, testosterone remarkably high, and you're just the pinnacle of excellence. Dude, I sent that to Viata. I sent my testosterone changes to Alex Viata because I wanted his input on it. He was blown away. He couldn't yeah. believe it. He, he was like, he was like, that's got to be the insulin sensitivity. But like, he, he asked me to look at the 
I don't know how to pronounce it, estradiol, estradiol, estradiol. I don't know how to pronounce it. He looked at the other markers as well. He was like, that's absolutely wild. I mean, we can get into it if you want to. I, it's, it's unheard of to the point where, like I told you, I just don't believe the initial reading to be accurate for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just impossible. It's literally based on everything I've ever seen. Impossible. Have we spoken about it on the podcast yet or no? No. Oh, got it. You want to explain what's going on? Uh, yeah. Jordan got blood work done before his um before his blood sugar spiking month of losing fat and getting healthier while spiking his glucose every single day. And in his initial blood work, he had total test of 545, which, you know, isn't the worst, but isn't the greatest. It's healthy. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not super low. Yeah, but you're, uh, it's health for for a male your age. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, For a male your age with your lifestyle and, uh, and, athleticism and amount you sleep and like nutrition and where you were at with the amount of lean mass you have. And like, it was lower than I would have expected it to be. Yeah. And then 30 days later, after losing a lot of body fat in a short (laughs) period of time and being very deprived of nutrients, a time when testosterone levels plummet for dudes in aggressive calorie deficits, your test went from 545 to 925, <laughs> nearly doubling. And somehow Spencer Nadalski is just like, who's been brought up on like three straight episodes, by the way, but was like, oh, we see this because like insulin, improved insulin sensitivity, like this happens. And apparently Viata says the insulin sensitivity can do it too. And these guys are both much smarter than me. But guess what? I've never seen anyone ever <laughs> Go f- <laughs> double their total test as a 31-year-old natural who l- literally 32. 32- okay, yeah, even more to my point. <laughs> who just aggressively dieted for 30 days. Yeah, crazy. Doesn't happen. The, the last nine pound, the last nine days of your of your fat loss phase, you're in this like don't even want to move level of energy deprivation and your total testosterone doubled. And it's not like you were over, like your body fat was in a reasonable place at the beginning. So yes, if you go from a certain body fat and you lose a lot of body fat and then like get your, uh, uh, get your calorie intake up to baseline and like have several weeks of eating at maintenance and, and training and sleeping great. Sure. I can maybe see not to that level, but something like that. But you were in a restricted state after losing 12 pounds in 30 days and your total test doubled to 925. Doesn't happen. <laughs> and guess, you know why? If it did, then every single dude would be like, oh, how do I get higher test levels? You wouldn't have books like TOT and people uh, uh, like Jay Campbell advocating for these different strategies. Or I got my buddy... Dean texting me about Huberman said this compound can get me an extra 30 points on total test. I don't even remember the name of it. I don't care because 30 points on total test isn't going to do anything. Uh, You wouldn't have all of that if all you had to do was go in an aggressive deficit for 30 days and eat spoonfuls of sugar and like really be deprived and you double your total test. Doesn't happen. So my working thesis is that knowingly, uh, not knowingly, unknowingly, before you got that, maybe it was a bottle of wine the night before, maybe you were stressed, maybe it was a poor night of sleep. I think you had said you were traveling and like traveling with the family and the baby right before you got that blood work done. But like 545 or five, whatever. Yeah. 545 is, wasn't your actual total test at that time. Yeah. I think, I actually think that's right. And I think, you know, just all, my behavior, my like personality, I don't feel like I, I've had my test taken before and it's never been anywhere near that low. So like, I think the, the traveling and the stress, cause we were traveling, we went to Atlanta to see my wife's family. It was like the most difficult plane travel that we'd had with my daughter up to that point. We were drinking with them. Like there's a real chance that we were getting bad sleep in the hotel. There's a real chance that it, it was an artificially bad testosterone, uh, uh, blood test that just like gave me a reading that wasn't 
indicative of my norm. So it looks like it doubled, but it actually like probably stayed the same or maybe even slightly went down. Yeah, it, it actually was higher than 545 or like who knows where, yeah. but yes, that's yeah. that's a great explanation. Much more uh much less emotional, much less passion behind it, but very <laughs> astute and to the point and accurate. Unlike I what I'm bringing about to this it, podcast today. Immediately started getting both men and women being men being like how the fuck do I do that? <laughs> do and, do? and women being and like, how do I get my husband to do that? Yes. I got yeah. so many women being like, oh my God, my husband has super low test. How do I help him increase it? <laughs> and I have to be like, guys, like this isn't, I didn't, don't Join start the spiking the blood sugar. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> like I had one guy be like, wait, so you're saying I just need to spike my blood sugar? <laughs> double, double, double my, my test. I was like, no, yeah. man, it's not how it works. No. No, but it is interesting. Do you want to give uh, the actual answer though? If you know, hey, I have extremely low testosterone levels, or my husband has extremely low testosterone levels. Yeah, we can talk about how how people can actually increase it for sure. How about you start? I mean, I think this is like definitely your more your wheelhouse, dude. You just doubled your test in thirty days while dieting. This is your house. I just I'm gatekeeping, wheel. bro. I got to keep the secrets. <laughs> You are gatekeeping, <laughs> keeping it behind that twenty four ninety nine a month thing you're running over there, that membership site. Uh, uh, in my non expert but interested opinion, sleep is is the one of the top few. More sleep and better sleep quality, not boozing um, or severely limiting alcohol, uh, getting yourself to a healthy body fat percentage. Um, uh, strength training and and having at least some of that strength training being heavy compound weights where you're trying to get stronger week over week, month over month consistently. Um, those are going to be the biggest levers. Uh, you know, there, you'll see little one-offs like eat this food, you know, more dietary cholesterol or more saturated fat. Uh eat less sugar. I'm sure all of these move the needle a little bit, um, but none as much as uh, sleep, uh, lifting heavy alcohol, and and getting to a reasonable body fat percentage. Those are the four biggest, which it's kind of, and, and then I'll let you go, but it's kind of sad. I don't know if sad's the right word, but there's a part of me that's disappointed when I see a guy who has low levels and he's not doing anything right and doesn't make any effort to do anything right and then just hops on TRT and TRT, yeah. whatever. Yeah, like it, probably not optimal and I don't know, just missing missing a step. But yeah, those are the those are the four big ones for me. Yeah, I mean sleep. Without question, for sure. Um, I echo everything you said. I'm going to like add a couple that maybe they won't have as big of an impact or maybe they will. Sleep for sure. Lifting for sure. I really want to emphasize like getting to a healthy body fat percentage. I, I see a lot of dudes just packing on the pounds and like, oh, my testosterone is so low. It's like, whatever. well, you got to lose some fat. Like you, you have to, like you're carrying all this extra fat. Like it's not good for your testosterone at all. And it's not good for a lot of things, but like, especially if you're trying to improve your testosterone, carrying a lot of extra, extra excess body fat is not going to be good for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think just overall movement and ideally movement in the sun, I think could have mm -hmm. a lot of benefits for, it. I think getting direct sunlight could be just unbelievably helpful for it. Um, I think, I think now more than ever with like ever since COVID people are just shacked up inside their house face in front of the screen. It's like, of course your test is low. Like you're not having any social interaction, like watching porn, like just uh, you're, you're, you're not getting outside. You're not moving. You're not lifting. You're eating junk all the time. Like, of course, like, I think getting up, getting outside, getting sunlight, moving, interacting with real people, lifting weights, getting sleep, eating high quality foods. Like that's is just, is that. And mm -hmm. I think so much of the lifestyle around dr drinking a lot for sure is, is killing it. And then the lack of 
people feel like they sleep well when they drink, but they don't. The the when you drink, you actually your sleep quality goes down dramatically. Mm-hmm. It's so it's you're drinking a lot, you're sleeping like shit, you're not exercising, you're not moving. Yeah, your test is going to be super low. Nix the alcohol or severely reduce it. Get better sleep. Stop watching porn. Go outside. Like these are that that's how it's going to increase. Cigarettes too. Smoking mm. in, in addition to drinking, you know, if, yeah. if uh, you're doing that consistently. Probably weed too. Probably. Pro- I don't know physiologically. Definitely from like a archetypal stoner yeah. anecdotal perspective. Yeah. Um, the, you make a great point about feeling like you sleep better when you drink, but your sleep quality is actually much lower. Same with nicotine. Uh, I have a oh, friend. Interesting. I have a friend who bought a Garmin um, probably six months ago, maybe a year ago. Not me. He's not talking about me. I bought a Garmin several no, no, years no, ago. No, 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 not you at all. Just- <laughs> and and on my recommendation, he bought a Garmin, and he's like, dude. I don't get any REM sleep or any deep sleep. My, this thing's broken. I'm getting a whoop. Like this was a bad purchase. Like, come on, I'll give it another month. But like, this is awful. I was like, man, what that is? Send, send me a screenshot. He sends me a screenshot of the back end of his sleep data. It's like deep sleep, four minutes, REM sleep, eight Jeez. minutes in a six or six and a half hour period of time. I was like, man, that's atrocious. And started talking to him about <laughs> what's going on? What, you know, is there any reason why this could be happening? My first thought was put the watch on tighter. I'm trying to figure out what could be wrong here. (laughs) The guy is vaping from the moment he wakes up until the moment he goes to sleep at night. Oh my gosh. Rip and vape, nicotine, constant, all day, every day. Jeez. Probably a month ago. Did I bring, I can't remember if I told this story. Probably a month ago, he he goes, dude, I took a day off of vaping. A day. Took a day off of vaping. Got an hour and a half of deep sleep and like 245 REM. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. He was just super hyper stimulated from it. Hyper stimulated. Does he still do it? Does he still vape in now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Smoking, drinking, sleep quality. I love that you I mean I mean obviously lifestyle around like watching other people have sex and jerking off to it like Yeah. We we could go deep. Maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point. I don't know if there's demand for it. Um <laughs> I don't know if there is. <laughs> Uh, and the sun too, and, and being outside and moving. Yeah. Good little list of recommendations. I like that. We might have to title this one around increasing testosterone. Oh, a hundred percent. That's going to be the title. Mm. How to double your testosterone. (laughs) (laughs) Eat a spoonful of sugar (laughs) or a quarter cup. What else? Um, if you're considering, you know, back to Jordan and being in a deficit for 30 days, uh, being in a calorie deficit inherently relative to being in a slight surplus inherently reduces your test levels temporarily. <laughs> so, you know, getting to a healthy body fat percentage is a good idea, but once you're in a healthy place, trying to get leaner and leaner and being that, you know, that guy who's always fighting to lose a couple more pounds, a couple more percent, seeing a little bit more abs and consistently trying to be restricting plummets your testosterone levels. And if if you can only imagine the difference between that versus being in a 200 to 300 calorie surplus per day, uh, lifting heavy, sleeping good, you know, life is the same otherwise, but the only difference is deficit versus slight surplus, your test is going to be much higher and you're going to feel it too. Good call. This person goes, what are your thoughts on the new trend of functional coaches? And I don't know if she's talking about like functional medicine or not, but I read it as like functional training, which is, it's funny because she's like, what's the, what are your thoughts on the new trend of functional training? And it's just, 
this industry is cyclical. Like I remember when I first started getting into it, like that's what I got it. I got into that was the world that I was born into in terms of strength and conditioning. It was like that functional side of things. I think that's what was really huge at the time when I really got into strength, the strength world. Mm-hmm. And it's just anytime someone gets into the fitness industry, it's almost like they're stepping on a they're stepping on a merry-go-round. And the everything they see is brand new and da 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 da. And the more they go around the merry-go-round, they're seeing these new sites, they're seeing these new things. But if you're on the merry-go-round for long enough you're going to see the same exact shit packaged differently over and over and over and over again. And so like, I, I have seen a reemergence of quote unquote functional training coming back out of the woodwork and only doing things that are functional and all of that. It's, it, that was such a huge topic when, when I was younger, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. And uh, so I, I just thought it was funny because it, it's, I think it's important for especially newer coaches coming into the industry to be aware of that. Just like if you're seeing something now, it's been around for a long time. It might just be packaged slightly differently. Yeah. Interesting to watch that over the years, continue to see the the same trends over and over repackaged differently. Yeah. And it makes me think about, we talk about this in the mentorship all the time, which by the way, you have, less than a week to get in the mentorship for uh uh before the price goes up by like uh, over five times so less than a week link is in the description um but we talk about this in mentorship a lot about how the seasons are cyclical for sales right so like when you're for for an example generally speaking the summer is a very low point for, for getting new coaching clients the the June, July, August time is very low sales. Like oftentimes you'll often have a lot of clients canceling during that time frame, not as many new client coaching requests. And I remember that probably the first three years that that happened for me, I would freak out every summer. I would get so worried because of like, I, and I didn't notice that it was the same time every year. I just, it was much more short term. I didn't have enough data. Uh, I didn't have that long, long view perspective yet. So I was just like, what's going on? I'm getting all these cancellations. And then in September, October, all of a sudden I got a lot more signups. Okay, good. Thank God. And and I I didn't notice the pattern and it wasn't until probably my fourth or fifth year of doing it. I was like, oh, this happens every year at this time. And it became less about what I was doing wrong and more about, okay, this is always going to happen this time of year. What can I do preemptively to have a little bit more padding during that time of year so I don't necessarily get as much of a freak out, which by the way, is something that we go over in the mentorship. We talk about, we set up the entire year for you in terms of your structure, what to focus on at what times, what challenges, like we have all these challenges that set you up for when you're going to have a sale, when you're going to get emails, when you're going to do this, what you're going to, what type of content you're going to post. So uh, if you want to get in, this is probably the last episode you're going to hear before the sale goes, uh, the sale's over. So uh, sign up, link is in the description. Um, But so much of all aspects of life are cyclical, but especially whether it's what's going on in the fitness industry or when clients are leaving, when they're coming, like the, the patterns are very cyclical. Absolutely right, bro. Remember in the spirit of testosterone, remember a couple episodes <laughs> ago, we were talking about Sam Sulik's YouTube. Dude, I've been thinking about him this whole podcast. Yeah. I um, was like, in my head, I was like, did we talk about him last time? <laughs> two episodes ago. Did we talk ago. about him on the podcast? Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and we talked about how like nice his comments were, and we said we hadn't really dug in to much of his stuff. But on initial, we're we're blown away that that style of content w- has been as successful as it has for him, and that authenticity and uh, low production value and just consistency um, is paying off. Uh, and we talked about how positive his comments were. Yeah, I I stumbled across him on YouTube Shorts recently Uh-oh. probably because i watched a few of his posted not by him but posted by someone else oh uh, okay and like night and day the people like thousands of upvotes top comments of this is so insanely unhealthy this guy's heart's gonna explode like Jeez. Um, uh, yeah not 
positive comments. And then you'd see a few in there like, no, if you actually follow him, like he's really chill guy. He's like really cool. Like, so clearly massive fan base, but, um, we were both somewhat surprised that you could be so overwhelmingly positive taking whatever he's taking to be where he is. And, uh, it's not completely like that on second observation. Yeah, it is. It's interesting though. Like, that's the least surprising thing to hear that the short form content from people who just see that, like the shock value of his physique, who don't mm-hmm. know who he is, they just give their immediate judgment in their short form content. Mm-hmm. But for the people who take the time to watch his hour, hour and a half long videos, they all love him. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it really goes to show if you're tired of the obnoxious comments and da 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 it's like maybe spend less time on that quick hit short form content that gives you a dopamine spike because you want to see how many likes and views you can get and maybe spend some time grinding on that long form content that takes more time more effort you're not going to get that immediate hit from so many likes and so many followers and but you build up an audience of people over three five seven ten years that really 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 love you and are invested in that longer form content yeah and i would argue that the further you are in your career, the more wiggle room you have to shift the majority of your attention to creating long form relative to short mm-hmm. form. Like there, there's probably a bigger opportunity for growth from zero with, with short form as well as long form rather than long form exclusively. But you're absolutely right. Once you're at a certain point, you know, you don't need the vanity metrics. What matters is how your business is doing and depth mm-hmm. on current audience matters way more than vanity metrics on short form stuff. This, this woman tagged me in her story the other day. I spoke at a conference. I don't know if it was six months ago, eight months ago, 10 months ago. I'm not sure, but it was within the last year and at least six months ago, if not more. And she made a story to her followers basically being like, I saw Jordan Syatt speak and he kept saying that we need to start making like uh web writing website articles and and it's just been playing in my head in my head and I haven't done anything about it and she put up a poll do you read any articles on websites anymore and I saw the poll and like 80% of them said no they don't and I was like that was so stupid of her to do that because what she's going to do she's asking a population of people on her short form platform how many of those people read website articles, not, and, and 80% of them are saying, no, they don't. When in reality is guarantee you, they do when they go, when they need to find out when they have a real question, you don't go on Instagram and search a question out. You go to Google and then you find either a YouTube video or a website article, whatever it is. But what this shows, a, and I didn't even say anything just cause I was like, if you're not going to take my advice, I'm not going to go out of my way to like keep explaining myself but do not cast pearls before swine yeah exactly yes it was like you i already gave you my opinion and you're going to ask your audience for it and that's fine but what what that person doesn't realize is the new audience that you would get from these articles and from ranking on google that's what you're after you're not after the people who currently follow you on instagram you're after people who would never have found you anyway and then even if they did find you they're only getting this short form content what about the people who do read that and and it's actually perfect because 80 percent said no 20 percent said yes it's a lot. 20%. And the vast majority of my business is driven from my podcast. The entirety of our business is driven from this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's long form content is where you get the, the, the best clients, the people who are the most invested. It's the, the people who are the quickest to, the quickest to leave and often cause the most issues are people who join from a a quick short form piece of content, not the ones who actually know you and what you're about and know what to expect. So I I saw that and I was like, that was, that was a, a big mistake to try and use that to justify not taking the time and effort to, to make long form website articles or YouTube videos, whatever it is. It's also just wrong. Like maybe it was set up the way she framed it in a way that her audience loves her, seemed like she wanted them to say no. So they said no. But like you said, when you have a question, you're typing it into a search engine and you're either getting a video or an article. 
and, and whether it's YouTube or website article, which are almost interchangeable um, in, in their function. But yeah, I don't even believe that 80% of people don't consume long form. Correct. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I, and that's something else is this is one of the lessons I learned early on in my days when I was working with Pat Flynn and, and really trying to learn copywriting is oftentimes you'll ask your audience something and they will give you an answer and they're not lying, but they often don't actually know what it is. It's sort of like if you ask your client, Hey, do you know what you ate yesterday or how much you ate? It's like one of the first things you learn when you look at research around, around nutrition is people will underestimate or overestimate or just not actually be aware of what the hell they ate. They have no idea. It's even for yourself. It's oftentimes easy to be like, Oh shit. Like I forgot that I ate that until like you write it down or you're really going through, what did I have for breakfast? I don't know. It's people often aren't aware of their own behaviors. We think we are, but we actually are not nearly as aware of our own behaviors as we, as we think we are. And so when you ask your potential clients or audience something, you really have to take it with a grain of salt because even though they think they're answering honestly, just like they do with their food logs, oftentimes it's not as honest as it's not as truthful as, uh, as they think it is. Yep. hundred percent. It's a great point. Great analogy. King of analogies, which is why if you are trying to make fitness progress right now and you track everything you ate at the end of the day, or perhaps the next morning, not an optimal strategy. Track that meal as soon as you eat it, if not before, which some people like, but eat it, track it. When I was really tracking calories, like super intense, I would what year? plan my day ahead of time. 2009, 2010, 2011. To, yeah, those like three years. It was, I, I would plan my whole day ahead of time. So I knew exactly what I was going to eat to the calorie and that was it. Partly because you were wanting to be dialed, but I would imagine also partly because you were too new to it that you didn't have the skill to just go through your day, make kind of mm -hmm. ad hoc decisions meal by meal, and then end up on point at the end of the day. Yeah. It's learning to improvise on the fly is a big skill. Whereas when you just can plan ahead, I know exactly what I'm going to eat. It removes the stress of like, I don't know what I'm going to have. I don't like da, da, da. It's, uh, it was, it, it was far less stressful then. that would be much more stressful for me now. But at that point in my learning process, it was actually super helpful. I, I like having that outline, even if I'm not going to follow it, like a rough idea in my head. And I'm not pre-logging these things, but knowing your frequency, knowing, okay, at this meal, here are the three to five things I like to have at this snack at this time of the day. Here are the three to five things I like to have. Dinner's up in the air, but I can sub in. I can have lean ground beef or I can have ground turkey or I can have a grilled chicken breast, right? Like all of these things that are relatively close in protein slash fat ratios, a starch side, a green. Yeah. Having the outline, even if you don't follow it exactly, is beneficial. Yeah, 100%. Want to grab a question? Are all proteins equal? Protein found in bread the same as in beef, for example? Uh, no, they're not equal. Um, look, we could do three back-to-back -back <laughs> episodes on this and dig up old Lyle articles and talk about the protein handbook, the protein book, Lyle's book. Oh man, that we could book talk about was the so protein good. book. We could talk about different metrics for evaluating protein quality based on a number of factors. Um, if you're getting enough protein in total grams in your diet, and you're eating a variety of protein sources, so uh, that means you're not completely eliminating multiple food groups following a, a completely vegan diet, for example, uh, you don't need to focus on protein quality for 99.9% .9 of people, right? You're not trying to step on stage at the Olympia. You're not trying to maximize uh, every like ounce of muscle that you can put on in a year. Um, it's not important is, is, is the punchline. In, in other words, I think the common question is, do I count 
the protein from bread, for example. Oh. It's like, should I, right? Like that's that's the question I get. It's like, okay, well, bread has this many grams. Like, do I count those or should I, I only count the protein? Yeah, of course, count those proteins for sure. Yep. If you are literally only eating bread, which would be a really terrible idea for for so many reasons, which, and I know there's gonna be someone in the world who hears that and be like, he's saying you shouldn't eat bread for fuck's sake. Like, I'm not, I'm saying if you're only eating bread, which is a terrible idea, then you're going to be missing out on protein quality. You're going to be missing out on a lot of shit, quite frankly. But um, if you have, I don't know, two slices of bread at lunch in a sandwich and it has eight grams of protein or 12 grams of protein, then absolutely count those tag along proteins. If you have like a turkey sandwich, yeah, those count towards your protein for the day for sure. Yeah, that's... I understand the the question now. Um, it was less about like, do lower quality protein sources count as much as an egg or beef, et cetera, something with uh, a, an amino acid structure more beneficial for gaining muscle, something higher in the amino acid leucine uh, to simplify things a little bit. Um, but yes, tag along proteins absolutely count. And people often make the, when they're learning about macronutrients, like, oh, this is primarily a carb. This is primarily a protein. This is primarily a fat. Does that mean that I only count the fat in insert food, avocado? No, you count the fat in avocado and the carbs in avocado and mm-hmm. the one gram of protein in avocado. I'm not, I'm not positive yeah, on that. So good. Um, but yes, you count all three macronutrients, four really, in every food that you eat. And I, to be fair to the person asking, I actually think they do mean exactly what you just said. What's the protein quality? Does it actually count? Da, da, da. But I don't think that they, based on the way they phrase it, I don't think that they know enough to ask that level of scientific jargon or of like, okay, well, there are different types. I, I think in, in this person's mind, the types of protein is... Like you have meat and you have bread Mm. and it's not like the amino acid profile. It's, it's, I don't think the level of knowledge is there yet, which is why it's just like, does it count? Does do the proteins from bread count? Like the protein from beef counts, which yes, it does. But the, the majority of your protein should not be coming from bread. Correct. And just like you said at the beginning, a, a multiple sources is best. A variety of sources of protein is is a better option. Just like an overall healthy diet has a multitude of sources of nutrition uh, of of nutrients and coming from a multitude of different places and colors and and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Bingo. All right. Someone said, "I have a choice of getting one of those bikes behind you." She. Oh, was, I had a picture of myself with my uh, Echo Rogue Echo like Airdyne bike in the back or mm-hmm. a rower. Which would you go for? So what would you go for, Mike? Would you go for a bike? Would you go for a rower? Would you go for a Stairmaster? Would you go for an elliptical? Would you go for a treadmill? What 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 is your go-to cardio machine? Um, I love that. We could even rank them. Uh treadmill is my number one. Yeah. The, in, the incline walk is my favorite form of low intensity cardio by a long shot. And while I'm- What incline? A lot. 10 Got plus. It, yeah. Cool. Um, I like the mental upside of walking in cold climate, but there's actually a lot of times of the year where it's very icy. A lot of times of the year. A lot of times during the winter when- it's not the weather that would stop me from doing outdoor cardio. It's the, it's like slipping and falling, which I have done outside. Um, and that's not fun. And so treadmill is number one. (laughs) (laughs) I just had an image of that. Like, remember the last episode? See, I remember the last episode we spoke about cottage cheese with the grapes. And I like had the image of you like cutting the grapes. I just had like that image of you falling and just losing your shit, like getting really pissed if like you hit your elbow or something. You don't, you don't have a good read on me, bro. (laughs) That might be how you, you don't get mad. No, you don't get mad if you fall. I literally remember walking out of my house, walking down the driveway 
because we were, <laughs> I was down in Florida for two weeks and we came back. And so hadn't been properly maintaining things and slipped on ice on my driveway. Like one of those where you take a step <laughs> and my foot just went right out from under me and I landed smack on my right hip. Like didn't hit my head or anything. Thank goodness. And and I just laid there for probably three seconds. I was like, man, my hip really hurts. And then I stood up and I did my cardio. I think you have a misrepresentation. Maybe when we hang out, I do things that are funny to get a reaction out of you, but I think you have oh, a yeah, bad yeah. read on my day-to-day life. Got I don't it. Cut, yeah, that makes I don't, sense. I don't cut grapes so that I don't choke on them. I don't I don't <laughs> throw tantrums when I slip on the Minnesota ice. Um, treadmill number one. I'm not a big rower only because I have done very little of it historically. So between the two options that she proposed, I'd go with uh, your bike. What about if we throw an elliptical in there and a Stairmaster in there? I don't love you. Some kind of bike would probably still be my second, uh, even though I don't love biking either. It's lower resistance than a Stairmaster, which I like. Um, Lower resistance than walking. and I don't love the elliptical. Like it's it's in the middle of the pack for me. One of the two bikes is going to be my second spin spin versus aerodyne type thing. Oh no, sorry. I was thinking, uh, how do what do you call it? Recumbent. So the lower seated oh, bike oh. versus yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the higher bike. The higher bike is so uncomfortable for me. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. No, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. I just get a treadmill. I'm going to get a treadmill actually. By the time Are we you? film our next step, yeah. Oh, Winter nice. is coming. What kind? Winter is uh, coming. One, one that inclines. You were born in the long summer, so. Jordan. Um, <laughs> yeah. How about you? Rank your favorite cardio machines, please. I think treadmill, treadmill's number one. There's just so much versatility to it. There's so much you can do on a treadmill. Um, so treadmill's number one. Elliptical's number two. Air bike is number three. I'll say this. Is I like different pieces of equipment for different things. So the majority of my cardio is zone two. And the treadmill and the elliptical I use for zone two a very small portion of my cardio is higher intensity. And for that, I either use the treadmill or the air bike. I don't use the elliptical for my high intensity because that would just look fucking stupid. Just like (laughs) on the elliptical would look like I have done it once when I was traveling and I had a hit workout to get done and the gym only had an elliptical (laughs) and I just felt like such an asshole. Just like on the, I don't know, it doesn't look good doing high intensity. You can't, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look to have. So I like the the treadmill, the elliptical, and the air bike are my top three. I hate spin bikes. I don't like the recumbent bike at all, actually. Um, I'm just not a fan. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, I feel like on the recumbent bike, I feel like I should be relaxing, but I'm not. Mm. It's just, it's sort of like a, a lot of, it's just like cognitive dissonance. Like I should be just relaxing, but also my glutes are really burning more than I feel like they should be. Um, Sam Sulik likes the recumbent bike. Oh, is that why you like the recumbent bike? <laughs> I don't like the recumbent bike. And no, <laughs> double no to your question. <laughs> I just got a short of him saying, hey, you can sit on your phone, but you're doing your cardio. It's a win-win. I, I, I actually like the Stairmaster a lot from the effect and the benefit, the very low impact and how difficult it can be with it being like very pretty slow. I just hate how difficult it is. And I also Mm. hate like I'll trip on it a fair amount too. Mm. It'll catch the front of my shoe. And then like, just, I don't really like that. Um, So I do like the Stairmaster. I just don't really use it very much. I hate the rower. I Mm. absolutely hate the rower. Number one, it's not comfortable at all like i don't like it's they're just not comfortable number two is like it doesn't feel good on my back at all Mm. and i know the people who are super technique oh you're doing the technique wrong no like i'm i'm not 
uh, it's it just doesn't feel good on my back to be sitting down like that and it's just and leaning forward and going back no it's just it's not so i don't like that one at all there's another one uh cardio machine i don't know what it's called but it's got these like two handles on it mm. and you just pull them down and you pull them down you know what i'm talking about i do um i like that one a lot as well so i'll i like that i love jumping rope jumping rope is a really good one too Anytime I travel, I have a jump rope in my backpack. If I like all else fails, I can just go outside or whatever and jump rope. But yeah, the the rower is my least favorite cardio of literally everything. We're on the same page. I didn't even know we were on the same page there. I always had a, a negative bias against the rowing machine for cardio because I thought if I'm going to do rows, I'm going to do some heavy rows and make some gains with some mm-hmm. weights. I'm not going to row on the yeah. On the rowing machine. I, I no. I don't know why I'm adverse to upper body cardio in general. I remember being introduced to a hand bike back in the day and just thinking like, <laughs> I'm not doing that ever. <laughs> I love walking. I really I really like walking. Yeah. Uh real quick before we wrap, you you mentioned high intensity being a little bit of your cardio and uh, zone two being the majority of your cardio when you were, I don't know if you're at peak cardio right now, or if it was at a certain time in the last year, but what was the most zone five or high intensity cardio you were doing in a week, two times a week. And those sessions were, uh, how long of like actual work in the sessions? Well, so the total session would be, would be between 30 to 45 minutes, but actual work Sorry, I, I didn't mean that. Uh, rest times included, but like if you took out any kind of warm up or cool down. Got it. Got it. Rest times included between 15 to 25 minutes. Okay, cool. Twice a week. Twice a week. And that was awful. And I hated it. <laughs> and you're doing how much zone two during that time? If I had two times a week of zone five, then I had five times a week of zone two. And those were- or- or potentially four times a week zone two, and then one time a week zone three, more of like a tempo style. But it was either four to five zone twos and and two zone fives, or four zone twos, one zone three, and two zone fives. Cool. And how long was each zone two? Minimum, bare minimum, it was forty five minutes. That was like the absolute lowest. And and how about these days? Where's your what does your cardio schedule look like? These days, I'm I haven't been doing any high intensity at all for a while. I just I haven't I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it mm-hmm. at all. Um, well, and and like and, you said, you said two episodes ago that over some period of time, your primary training goal has shifted from jujitsu one health two to health one jujitsu two. Yeah, exactly. I'm not planning on competing in jujitsu anytime soon, and honestly. I just keep noticing my jujitsu getting better and better and better with more zone two. Mm. It's, I think if I was wrestling, which is they're similar, but wrestling, you need more anaerobic power. You need more anaerobic endurance. Like you, it's much more like it's, it's funny. I was talking about this with my jujitsu coach today. Wrestling is way more physically demanding, way harder than jujitsu is from the like the the physicality from the endurance perspective. It's nonstop snapping down, go, 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 power, power, power. The energy systems are very different. Whereas jujitsu, it's like they often call it like the lazy man's wrestling, which hmm. it and and anyone who's tried jujitsu knows like it's the cardio is really difficult, but wrestling cardio is on another level wrestling cardio is just absolutely wild so if i was doing if wrestling or even if jujitsu was my main 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 goal i would do i would do hit once a week but for right now i just hate it so much that it's like i don't even and it's not i I don't bother doing it because it's just like i don't have patience for doing a form of exercise that i hate right now makes all the sense in the world one more random thought that popped in my head I don't remember who I heard this from, but it was around uh, brain health and like ability to focus and the benefits of higher intensity cardio, probably driven by uh, more blood flow to the brain. Um, Not like thinking during your cardio, but thinking 
post or that day as a result, have you noticed any difference in your ability to focus or like anything cognitive related comparing times when you were doing uh, zone five or high intensity cardio compared to times when you are not doing high intensity cardio? I'm way more focused and way more attentive when I am not doing zone five, mm, when I do zone five, you're like, it completely burns me out. Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm drained. Like it's, it's mentally and emotionally and physically draining. Cause this, if you're doing it right, it is devastating. Yeah. It, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny when people say they're doing Tabatas and then like it's they're doing like, favorite thing. 20 seconds of planks. And like, they're not really doing Tabata. They don't actually know what a Tabata. It's not just 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. It's not, you can't pick any exercise 20 on, 10 off and say you're doing a Tabata. If you actually read the studies and, and know what a Tabata is, like it is a brute, you should be absolutely fucking gone by the end of that. And uh, that's why when people say like they feel better after doing high intensity, I'm like, so you're not really doing high intensity. Like you're doing moderately high intensity whether i don't know whether it's orange theory or whatever it is but you're not really going 100 percent intensity as is required of this super high intensity protocol you're you're going hard but it's not like your absolute max which is a very big difference and when i do something i i want to do it right so like i'm if i'm going to do a zone five i'm going to do it on five and really take it to my max Love that. Give them one more big right hook. This is the last they're going to hear this. This is it. This is it. This give is the a, last episode. Give them a right hook, but instead of if you're on video, not using your knuckles because I don't want you to break anything, use use this part of your hand. I was told to do that in street fights. The Stockton slap, like the Nate Diaz Stockton slap. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to slap you in the face with this reality, all right? That we've been saying for probably two months now that you've been listening that our price is going up for the online fitness business mentorship. And it is officially. This is the last chance that you have to get in before the price goes up 5X. 5X. The mentorship, thank God, has been doing really well. People have been making incredible progress. Uh, and we've been we've decided it's time for us to increase our prices inflation and demand. So we're fucking doing it. And if you want to build your online business, if you want to help more people around the world, if you want to, uh, if you want to get better at making content, if you want to get better at becoming a coach, if you want to get better at learning how to program design, understand client psychology, understand how you can help your clients get better results. If you want to do all of this, then join. If you don't want to do all of that, or if you'd rather join someone else's go for it, but you're going to come to ours eventually. So if you want to join in now for the lowest price it will ever be, link is in the description. We'd love to have you. Boom. We'll be back next week. Have a great week and weekend. See you soon.